You're listening to the CEO's Wing Woman podcast. I'm Olivia Jenkins, your host and virtual coach, helping you scale your brand to cult-like status. Since 2019, I've helped over 100 clients generate in excess of 45 million in revenue. And now it's time for me to share my tips, tricks, and strategies to help you supercharge your growth. I'm here to help you step into your power to develop a bulletproof strategy and growth mindset to match. Consider me your secret weapon to scale. Let's get started. Welcome to the CEO's Wingwoman podcast, the ultimate growth mindset podcast for ambitious CEOs wanting to create cult brands. I'm your host, Olivia Jenkins, and today I am honored to be joined by Talissa Triffitt, the CEO and founder of Made to Milk, Australia's go-to for breastfeeding mums known for their delicious range of lactation goodies. Since recently acquiring breastfeeding activewear brand, The Milk Boutique, you could say that Talissa is Australia's milk queen, given she now has two businesses in the breastfeeding space. Please welcome Talissa to the show. Stop it. Are you trying to seduce me? Like I've just been seduced. It is an absolute pleasure to be here. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to get stuck into our chat today. I'm so excited. I just can't wait for people to know your story, know more about you. I obviously know you very well and I know your business very well, both brands really well, but I'm really wanting to take listeners back to the very beginning of your business journey. You're obviously a mum now of three beautiful children and I know when you started the business, you were also at the very beginning, I assume, of your breastfeeding journey. So can you first just introduce yourself and the original brand, which is Made to Milk, and just give listeners a bit of an idea about how that all came about. How did you originally launch Made to Milk? Yeah, for sure. So obviously, hi, Talissa Triffitt. And as Liv said, I am a mother. I have three children now. Made to Milk was born when I was breastfeeding my first child. So as a first-time mum, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. And during my breastfeeding experience with her, uh, noticed a dip in my supply at around the five-month mark-ish and discovered this thing called lactation cookies, like what the heck. And I found a recipe. No, I used my recipe. I found the ingredients that I needed to make these lactation cookies and what would help increase my supply, added it to a recipe that I had at home. And literally the next day, my milk's like, I was Pamela Anderson. I had so much milk and going from not feeling like I could meet the needs of my baby the day before and being absolutely distraught about it. And then the next day, just exploding with milk, I knew that I couldn't gatekeep. Like I had to share this with absolutely everybody that I could. And so I started baking these cookies in my home kitchen for local mums. And then it really just snowballed so fast and became the absolute powerhouse brand that Made to Milk is today and business. And it's really, oh my gosh, I'm just holding on for dear life. And I'm now three children in and have breastfed all three and have been really lucky to have Made to Milk by my side through each breastfeeding experience. So it's been full on. I love that story. I know with my first, I had a similar experience where at the four month mark, my milk just started to dry up. And I don't know if there's science around that, that the four or five month mark is when that happens, but it is genuinely the most stressful feeling when you have a baby that is still reliant hundred percent on, on milk and you're not at the stage yet where you've introduced solids or anything like that to be able to top up and not have enough milk. It is just so stressful. And I think there's so many emotions that come with that, particularly as a first time mom, where you're really trying to find your way through the crazy journey that is motherhood. And you feel like you your body is letting you down. You have these these thought processes where you think I'm just meant to be able to create this milk and I can't do it. And so to be able to create a product like that, that gives mums confidence and solves that problem of, you know, poor milk supply or low milk supply is just an incredible thing. And I think it is the very basis of a strong brand as well to come into a market and deliver a product that solves a genuine problem that consumers have. And 
I know you've you've recently mentioned to me about the way that you go about things as well with the customer base that you have. And I want to take you on a little bit of a sidestep for a second around that in how you approach customers that are facing low milk supply in attempting to get the products to them as quickly as possible. And I know that you send everything through Express Post and that's for a reason, isn't it? You want to get the products to customers as quickly as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And along the way, you know, we've had different freight companies approach us and want to take on our business. And the first question I have for them is how fast can you deliver these parcels? Because, and and I've always had a very strong kind of like this order has to go out within the next few hours. You know, we have same day dispatch up until a certain point. As much as we physically can, we get as many orders out as fast as we can because I know that vulnerable position that so many mums are in when they're ordering our cookies and I know that the cookies can help and so I want to get it to them as fast as I can. And you know what, that's been kind of the vulnerability of mums in that time. They're highly emotional and, you know, quite highly strung and understandably so because I've been in that position myself. So I think I also have a lot of empathy for their situation. I can put myself in their shoes because I have been in their shoes before. It's given me a thick skin too because, you know, a lot of mums come to me highly emotional and can be angry that their order hasn't gotten there fast enough and, you know, it's like water off a duck's back to me because I can understand their position and understand where they're coming from because it is such, yeah, a vulnerable position to be in. It's stressful. I mean, having a baby that's crying, the main reasons that babies are crying at that age is either because they're tired or they're hungry. So I completely understand. And I just love that about you as well, that you can see through those interactions with customers, where there is that stress around not receiving things on time or whatever it may be. And, you know, it's no secret, particularly since the pandemic, that the postage system is not what it used to be. And the network is a little bit fragile and overwhelmed. So I just love that you have such a customer first, customer centric approach to everything that you do. And I'm curious to find out more when you think about the success that you've had so far in the business since you first started Made to Milk. If you had to sum it up, in three distinct ways or three things that you think were the foundation or the cornerstone of your success, what would you put those three things down to? And would your customer first approach be one of those? Absolutely. I think it has been a massive driver of the success of the brand because, you know, when a mum gets onto something that they love, they share it with their mum's group, they share it with anybody, they shout it from the rooftops. And so I think, especially in the early days, we built such a reputation that mums could have confidence and trust in our brand and in our product that they then wanted to share it with everyone. And it wasn't that I was giving them incentives to share at all. It was off their own back because they fell in love with the product and it worked so well for them. So I think, yeah, especially in the early days, that was a massive driver of Made to Milk becoming a household name because one household was then spreading it with 10 other households and then it just became bigger and bigger. I think that's something that mums do so well. When you discover something as a mum, you become that brand's number one ambassador unpaid, but the number one ambassador. And you just want to share that information. I remember Charlotte, my daughter had laryngomalacia, as you know, in central sleep apnea. So she was on 24 seven oxygen for 14 months, her first 14 months of her life. And one of the things that I discovered was the tape that you put the oxygen tubes onto her face with caused massive reactions and skin thinning because every time you took the tape off, it would literally rip the skin. And so over repeated usages, it would get so tender and so inflamed. And so I remember discovering this sensitive tape at the chemist. And yes, you had to retape every day, which was a little bit frustrating, but the benefit of that tape was it would just slide on and off. So it didn't cause any irritation to the skin. Literally, you should have seen me in the street. If there was ever an oxygen mum somewhere, you better believe it. I would run over and be like, do you know about this tape? It's at <laughs> Chemist Warehouse, so you can buy it here. And I would bring it up on my phone. And there's just something about giving a recommendation as a mum when you know it's going to change someone's life for the better, when you know it's going to impact their family for the better, 
you want to, as a human being, you want to share that information. So it comes as no surprise to me that you've created that type of consumer within your business and that community as well. Because as a mum, I know how much we love to give recommendations. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's also been one of the biggest achievements in business and in my business journey too, is having mums approach me on the street. Like that has been something unexpected that I never thought would happen, but I could basically go anywhere in Australia now and somebody would approach me somewhere and say, you changed my whole relationship with my baby because of your products but, you know, it gave me confidence to be able to feed my baby and it completely changed the dynamic that I had with my baby. And, you know, postpartum mental health is a very fragile thing. And if I can impact that somehow in a positive way, like I'm, I'm, I've done my job, I'm done. That is just the best feeling. When you think about being a founder or owning a business, and obviously we all start businesses to help someone in one way or another, whether that's a service or whether it's through a product, we're solving a problem, we're helping people. But that just must be the most heartwarming feeling to have these conversations with real customers in the street. And I can only imagine what those moments must feel like for you. I would imagine it makes all of the hard moments in business actually worth it when you receive that word of mouth feedback directly from your customers and you must just feel like you've made it. Yeah, absolutely. And it gives me motivation to keep going too. You know, obviously there's a roller coaster that comes with running a business. And so on the hard days, I actually have this folder of photo, like of screenshots in my phone of some of the feedback that I've received over the years where I keep it and I pull it out and look at it on the really hard days when I'm ready just to pack it in and it's all too much. I pull out that folder and read through some of the feedback and it goes back to my why, why I started the business, why I'm doing what I'm doing, why I sacrifice what I do in my personal life to be able to do what I do. I love that. That's what it's all about. I know we had a really good conversation the other day about vision. And I think that is absolutely what it's all about. When I think about the most successful businesses, they're led by visionaries that have a strong vision and have an unwavering commitment to that vision. And I think sometimes maybe there's this misconception that you do always feel super aligned and super inspired. And I think that's not real life. You know, we all have different seasons in business where things upset us or we might take some things to heart. We might have a bad day and that's okay. But I love that idea of having a folder of screenshots, of testimonials, of feedback that you can return back to, to put some wind back in yourselves. That is such a good idea. Would you say that that is number three, the commitment to your vision, no matter what? Yeah, absolutely. And I remember somebody asked me recently, I did like a question box on on Instagram on the business page and somebody asked me if I will feel less relevant when I move out of the breastfeeding space in my life and the breastfeeding stage of my life and whether I would sell made to milk or, you know, move on from made to milk because I'm not at that stage of life anymore. And I really like it really made me deep think about what made to milk means to me. And I think that it was born out of such a pivotal point in my life that it will always be such a huge part of who I am. And I cannot see in the foreseeable future giving, you know, giving that up. It's, it's a part of me, <laughs> basically. It's part of your DNA now. It really, we are, well, you're one and the same. I love that. And I think I'm not surprised. Again, I know you very well and I know how passionate you are and you're such an incredible person. And I also know that you've recently acquired another business in the breastfeeding space, hence the tagline of Australia's Milk Queen. (laughs) So can you tell us a little bit about how that came about? What were you thinking in the context of you've already got three children, you've already got a highly successful business being made to milk, you have a lot on your plate and you've decided to acquire another business. So can you bring listeners into a little bit of the backstory around the Milk Boutique and how that all came to life amidst everything else that you've got going on right now? Yeah, look, Liv, I don't know if I was thinking when I <laughs> when I took it on board. <laughs> I was going with my gut probably and just diving straight in. And then it wasn't until a few months later, I'm like, what the hell have I done? This is a beast in itself. But no, so, you know, obviously 
I am well aligned, like, you know, this business that I've now taken on is well aligned in the space that I'm already in. And I know this market, this target market, like the back of my hand, I am this target market. So yeah, it was very relevant to me. And when Tammy, the previous owner of the Milk Boutique, when she came to me, it was just kind of like a natural takeover, I think. And it just went so seamless. Like, I can't even tell you how seamless the transition has been. There is a lot of stigma, I think, around going into business with friends or or doing business with friends and people who are close to you. And, you know, I was a little bit nervous about that in how we could maintain our friendship doing business. And, um, but, oh my gosh, hats off to us both. I think we both just look back and we were so proud of the way that we conducted ourselves. We were both so respectful of each other through that process and our relationship has, you know, stayed intact coming out of that. So, uh, I mean, hats off to us both, but yeah. So when Tammy approached me about possibly taking on the milk boutique, initially I put it, nah, I can't take any more on it. It will be too much. Like I, I wouldn't be able to handle everything. And it's a fashion business. So it's not something that's something that's new to me. I've worked in food product for so long and I don't know how fashion works and designing and and that's just a whole nother beast that I didn't know how to handle. But the more that I thought about it and the more I took the time to really weigh out the pros and cons, the more my gut was just telling me this is going to happen, whether you like it or not, basically. I love that. And I think making decisions that are gut-led is very much visionary mentality Every visionary that I know definitely makes decisions somewhat out of logic, of course, but they're often driven by gut. And even when something might not actually make sense, if their gut is telling them that it makes sense, they go with that. And generally it's always right. So I love that you were called to do this from your gut and led with that and really committed to it. And I also agree that the both of you have handled the sale process really well and it's been very seamless particularly from the outside looking in as well from what I can tell with the community and obviously everyone rallying around you to give you lots of support with the handover and obviously taking on the brand you know for your first couple of months so for listeners that are listening to the episode today and want to know a little bit about the Milk Boutique, can you give us a little bit of a rundown about the Milk Boutique? Obviously, it's fashion. It's different to health. The good thing is they're both very fast industries and there's a lot of alignment there. But can you tell us a little bit about the business itself and where you want to take it? What's the vision? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I really worked out, I think, my vision or really put it down on paper in our last few conversations over the last few weeks in that I really had a deep think about what my vision is for the Milk Boutique and what it means to me. And I think that, you know, as a mum in that early postpartum phase, we sacrifice a lot and we pack up almost a life and put it in a box and put tape on it and label it pull this back out again when I'm back to feeling myself and we put it in the garage away and sacrifice a lot for the now and the space that we're in and we might not feel our best, we might not think that we look our best. But, yeah, we may do for the period of time that we're in until we can pull that box back out. So my goal for the Milk Boutique is to not have to sacrifice in that period of time and to have everything that we love when we want it and not tucked away in a box for when we're feeling better again. Um, It's that you can feel amazing, you can look amazing and be comfortable and functional at the same time because the Milk Boutique is a brand for breastfeeding and for maternity. So you have that functionality as well as you feel comfortable, but you also look amazing. And we don't have to sacrifice for that stage of our life. That's really, I think, what my vision is for the Milk Boutique is to be able to give mums back that confidence that they put aside until they get to a point where they feel like they can be confident again, is that we can be confident every stage of our life. We can feel confident. We can feel amazing at whatever stage we're at. I love that. And so you can look good in the process as well, because I know even through being pregnant, you know, you, when you get to the third trimester and you're just, you're feeling big, you're feeling like nothing's fitting you anymore. And you're just sort of making do with whatever you can find that fits 
just grab it. That's fine. That'll do me for now and I'll deal with it later. So that's definitely the view that a lot of us take when we're pregnant and then when we're breastfeeding as well, because your body's changed. When you're pregnant, you can't wear the jeans that you used to wear before because they genuinely don't fit. You can't wear potentially some of the crops or tops that you wore before because your breasts have changed shape and size. And as you said, Pamela Anderson. So you're just in a whole new season. And I think I definitely, when I first started feeding way back in 2017, I didn't know about the Milk Boutique back then, but I remember going to a local shopping center and no word of a lie, spending like three hours walking around trying to find some crop that I could actually get my breast out of to feed my baby. And I could not find a single thing. And I was looking for zips. I'm like, there has to be something out there for me. And I could not find it. So I definitely feel the Milk Boutique has provided that option for mums to be able to feel confident to wear breastfeeding friendly crops that have clips that are functional that make you actually want to get out in the sunshine and walk your baby and and get out there and exercise and be active because otherwise there is this feeling this fear almost that you're going to go out and if you're not wearing the right thing you almost have to go and try and find you know depending on how confident you are I wasn't particularly confident feeding in public in all honesty so I would be the person that's trying to find the local public toilet or something that I could sit in and get my whole breast out because I wasn't that confident so I think it's amazing that the Milk Boutique is is able to provide this. And I just love that once again, you've got a vision that's so heart-centered and so customer-focused as well. It's not about you. It's about helping them. And I think that's amazing and it's a testament to you. And I think Tammy has done such an incredible job at establishing the brand and building that reputation that mums can have confidence in the product. And so no pressure, but uh, it's up to me now to then continue on that legacy. I have full faith. Look, I go through ebbs and flows of having full faith in myself and then not. So <laughs> you're amazing. And you've done so well with Made to Milk. And obviously, as you say, the brands are very much aligned. You could almost say they're sister brands in the same way that you and Tammy are sisters. Isn't that ironic? Oh my gosh, it's destiny. It's just destiny. Circling back to made to milk, obviously everyone loves to hear the juice. Everyone wants the drama. And I would love to hear more about some of the challenges that you faced as a business owner. And it doesn't necessarily have to be about made to milk. You're now the owner of two businesses. And I'm sure that there's been some challenges that have come up with taking on a new business. So when you think about the three biggest challenges that you face so far, what would those challenges be and how did you overcome them? Yeah, this is a huge question and immediately two come to mind that have been big challenges for me mentally, emotionally. One of them in particular, I know it gets talked about a lot, is copycats. And I think I have had a lot of eyes on me from very early in starting the business. And when I first started, there weren't a lot of options for lactation products. And now there is a full spread of them. And I have found over the years that I will have this product innovation, you know, I'll be creating this new product to the market that I'm so proud of that I have invested everything into that's been created from my own pain points as I'm breastfeeding. And then I will launch it into a market that hasn't seen a product of its kind before. And then six months later, I see another one pop up and then another six months later, and there's 20 to 30 other businesses doing the same thing. And they've literally copied word for word from my packaging. And it can be very disheartening. And there was a point where I'm like, I give up, you know, like there's just, I'm just copied in every single thing that I do. And it was so hard to, to get out of that negative headspace when something you work so hard on is just like ripped off so easily. And it's happened time after time with product after product. I will release a product And then 12 months later, every business and their dog has got the product. I totally get it. 
I myself have had a lot of instances where I've been copied and exactly what you're saying, word for word, copywriting plagiarism, like literally just copying and pasting from my website or from my social media captions or whatever. And I think the thing about what you're saying and the thing with copycats is if other brands or other people are following what you're doing and are copying what you're doing, that means you're the leader. Because if people are following you, if you're first to market with something, that makes you the pioneer, that makes you the one that's leading the pack. So that's actually a very exciting space to be, but it's also a big responsibility because what that does mean is that you have to continue leading the pack if you want to remain the pioneer, which means that you always have to sharpen your tools and make sure that you're the driving force behind the innovation and you're always the one that's taking things to market first. Yes. Yes. And it's taken me a long time, first of all, to get to the place where I'm not focused on what other people are doing. It's just purely for me and what I'm driving for Made to Milk. And I found this a lot with, you know, being a consultant and working in the consulting place. It is somewhat normal for clients to look at everyone else's patch of grass. You're clearly going to look at your competitors. You're going to look at who else is in the ring with you. And that's normal. Where I think it's dangerous though, is if it's to the point where it's actually stopping you from moving forward, or you're not moving forward with the same pace anymore because you're too busy, you know, looking at what's going on next to you. And I think this can happen sometimes when we live in the past a little bit too much as well. We're too focused about what's happened and we're not focused enough on what's going to happen. It's a little bit like driving a car and you get distracted by the kids and you're turning around looking at what's happening. If you're looking behind you or you're looking out the side windows, it's inevitable you're going to have a crash at some point or you're not going to stick to your your course or your path. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, we talk about roller coasters in business and those down points, I think, earlier on were driven by what I could see other people doing. And so it was up to me to pick myself back up and get back on that incline and get out of that negative headspace. And the only way I could do that was to stop caring about what other people were doing and to realize exactly what you said that it's actually a very privileged position to be in because I am the pioneer in the field and everybody is looking to me to see what comes next what's she going to do next and there's an element of hype and excitement about that in that she's the one driving this whole industry what's she going to come up with next and that's exciting for people so yeah it is I have learned over the years and especially now, I don't care what anybody else is doing. I'm just doing what I'm doing. And that has been, and I think it's really helped in my business too. I think back even at the beginning of the year, I had this whole year planned out with new product launches and I had everything in the works ready to go. I think we've had like, I don't know, you're probably sick of me jumping on in our meetings and being like, oh, I've got this new product coming. Um, And I've had like back to back this year because I've, put myself in such a creative headspace that now I'm not caring what anybody else is doing and I'm just focusing on what I'm doing. And so it's just been really this awesome, yeah, creative headspace that I can be in to innovate and bring new things to the to the table. So when you think about how you overcame this copycat saga that does happen to a lot of us, was that a decision that you made not to care about what other people were doing anymore? not a feeling, right? A decision? It had to be a decision. It had to be. I had to consciously make the decision not to look at other people's Instagrams because every time I did, it would negatively impact me. It would say, oh, but they're doing this. Oh, should I, should I be doing that? Or should, you know, and then I would start to like rethink everything that I had worked hard on. And yeah, it was just too negative. And so I consciously had to make that decision to stop. You get the wobbles. That's really what it's about. Hey, you you look at something, it might trigger you a little bit. And then next minute you've got the wobbles and the wobbles aren't good in business because if you're not coming from a place of being totally congruent, totally calm, totally centered, then you might ultimately make a decision out of fear or out of being triggered or ultimately have days and weeks in your business where you're actually unproductive because something has thrown you off course. 
Yeah. And you know what? It's changed my thinking so much that now I only find out things that my competitors are doing through other people who, who say it to me. It's not my own investigations. And so, and I'm in such a good place now that when somebody says that to me, I'm like, wow, good on that business. You know, I'm, I can really appreciate how hard it is to work on a new product and whether, you know, they've taken inspiration from myself or, or somewhere else. Yeah, I don't know. I'm really like, wow, that that would have been a lot of hard work for them to bring that to market. So, you know, all props to them. You know, I feel like I'm really in a good space where I can be positive, you know, and happy for other people's success as well. Yeah. Yeah. What would be the second challenge that you face? First would be copycats. What would number two be? Number two, I think uh, in made to milk specifically along the way, there's a lot of compliance in the field, in the industry that I'm in, in making sure I'm not making false health claims on my products too. And it's been a lot of learning, a lot of research and, you know, any woman can start baking lactation cookies and make a business out of it. But what they don't realize is there's actually a lot of compliance in terms of health claims to be made on things. And that's taken me a really long time to wrap my head around. And also, you know, I get mixed feedback from health professionals too. You know, a lot of lactation consultants, especially from the gen, an older generation are hesitant for these new things and products to come into the market to help. And they often, there's, you know, this negative spin on lactation products in that mums will rely on them in the first instance and think that they are going to be this almost like magic pill that solves all of their milk supply issues. And so I've really had to do a lot of taking on board of in the first instance, you need to see these health professionals to see if there's any underlying issues that are impacting your milk supply. That's the first instance. Yes, my cookies will work for some, not all, and you can't rely on them as a long-term fix for, you know, milk supply issues. You need to go and see the professionals first. And, you know, that's been a lot of learning over time. And I have had to be very careful in the things that I say and the things that my brand promotes and the information that I put out there to make sure it's accurate and it's in line with modern research and and it's responsible as well is is a really big piece of that. Yes, absolutely. And that responsibility comes in the disclaimers that I that I put on everything that's like go and see a, your healthcare provider first. And I think a lot of a lot of the negativity comes from people who don't realize that about my brand or aren't in those personal conversations in my DMs that I have with mums on the daily where they come to me for advice on their breastfeeding and immediately my first reaction is not to try and sell them cookies, it's to tell them to go and speak to a to a healthcare professional. And a lot of those healthcare professionals don't see those conversations that happen behind the scenes. So they immediately think that my goal as a business owner is a money grab. I'm marketing these magic pills to somebody in a very vulnerable state to take advantage of them. And that is something that I've had to really come to terms with over time that people may think that about my business, but but they don't know me and they don't, they obviously haven't taken the time to have a look at how I run my business and they don't see a lot of what happens behind the scenes and the conversations that I have with women and the responsibility that I feel that I have to be ethical, I guess. That's such good awareness as well because I think one thing in life is that at the end of the day, in any situation, we only see the slither of the situation that we can see. We never know 100% all sides of the story because we haven't been at all sides of that situation. So I think to have that awareness that, you know, you may be unfairly judged because someone doesn't know you or they haven't personally witnessed you having these private conversations in DMs. But again, what I do think that it symbolizes is once again, you're very customer centric in solving the problem for your consumer, even if that technically means that it may be your product in tandem with a really good lactation consultant or another health service or health provider. So I think that's, again, a credit to you that you have a lot of integrity with the way that you run your business. And as you say, it's not just about selling product. It's about every single mum 
and helping her find her way in her breastfeeding journey so that she can be confident in breastfeeding and she can have access to the support services and the products that she needs to thrive. Yeah, absolutely. And I have been asked so many times over the years, you know, what's the best advice that you would give to a new mum or somebody who's expecting first time? And always my number one piece of advice is to arm yourself with as much knowledge and research as you can going into birth and having professional support there to help you for anything that you need. That's the number one piece of advice. My number one piece of advice is not to eat a bunch of lactation cookies. Like sure, maybe somewhere down the track that might come into play and that might be helpful for you. But number one is to arm yourself with the most amount of knowledge and support that you can. Absolutely. And I think it gives you that confidence as well. The more you know, the more confident you are to back yourself as well and have those conversations on behalf of yourself and to advocate for yourself and for your baby if you need to. So I love that. What would number three be? Is it a made to milk challenge or is it the milk boutique challenge? I'm keen to know. Yeah, I suppose if we talk about where I'm at at the moment, the biggest challenge is to wrap my head around or find this new balance between juggling two businesses and three children and now a team of staff and all of the things and trying to wear all of the hats. That's probably a big challenge for me in my current space. I am definitely not nailing it. And obviously the Milk Boutique is something that is new to me and I'm still learning the ropes of in designing fashion pieces, designing pieces of clothing. That's very new. So that's a challenge for me at the moment. And I definitely have not overcome it yet, but hopefully I will get to a place where I feel like I am nailing it. Absolutely. I think, you know, it's a journey. I think you're in a season right now where you've got a lot going on. You've just taken on a second business. You're finding your feet in a totally new industry fashions a lot to get your head around and I think that that confidence will come in time and it's a little bit like the unconscious incompetence then becomes conscious incompetence then becomes conscious competence and then becomes unconscious competence and I think you're probably in the stage at the moment where you know in the very very beginning you probably felt consciously incompetent like you knew that you didn't know this new industry and you had to get your head around it now you're consciously competent I think you're doing an amazing job and all of the things that you've got in the works. I obviously know all the, all the secrets of all the things that are coming up, but I think that you're now in a stage where you're consciously competent, but like all things in life, the more that we do things, the more skills that we build in a certain area, eventually it becomes second nature. It becomes that unconscious competence. And so I'm sure that is just around the corner for you. So you've already achieved so much. It's wild when I think about how young you are and all of the amazing things that you've done in your life so far, as well as being a mom of three. When you think about the brand, and maybe this is Made to Milk because you spend most of your time there, but when you think about the Made to Milk brand, what would you say your three biggest achievements are that you just feel so proud of today in your career? I think we've already touched on a little bit in that my biggest achievements come from the way that the brand or the business has changed people's lives. And when people come back to me, you know, whether it's in the street or daily through DMs or messages on social media platforms, that's really like a massive thing for me where I can just take a step back and be like, wow, this has had such a huge impact in these people's lives. I should be so proud that I've built that. And so, yeah, that's probably the biggest achievement for me. And, you know, there have been accolades along the way and we've had, you know, good press at certain times in the business, which are, I guess are achievements. But really the big achievements to me are the impacts that I'm making in individuals' lives like that. That's just huge for me. And it's, yeah, my number one. Do you have a favourite product launch to date? When you think about your product range and all of the amazing creations over the years, what would you say your biggest product achievement is? It's kind of two, I think. The one that came first was the antenatal colostrum expressing kit and because that was first to market and that was something that I really spent, you know, invested so much in the innovation of 
And it was born out of my own journey through expressing colostrum before my second child was born. And that had such a positive impact on my cesarean sections and feeling like I was well-equipped to go into those C-sections and that I could I could have the experience that I wanted because I was prepared with things like colostrum to take with me. So that was probably a big one for me. And along with that, I think too, with the colostrum kits, I have midwives and lactation consultants come to me all the time and say, our hospital freezer is full of these pink containers. Like what do you, you are taking over our hospital. And yeah, that's probably a huge, I, I can add that probably to the achievement box too, because it's, you know, so widespread now that midwives are telling me they have to get markers and label the lids of all these pink containers because there's so many of them that people get confused of whose is whose, which is, you know, awesome. The second one and probably the second product that is, I think, really one of my babies for so many reasons is the hot chocolate. That was just a game changer. You know, our core product were these cookie flavors. But when we brought in the hot chocolate, it completely changed our business. We launched the hot chocolate right at the start of COVID and it just exploded our business basically. And so through what would have otherwise been a very difficult time for us, we were having the opposite effects and so grateful for, you know, that opportunity that it gave us. But yeah, it was just once we launched that hot chocolate, it was like a cult product right from the get go. And we could not keep up with production fast enough. We were having to drop, you know, we were dropping hundreds to thousands of hot chocolates and they would all sell out within half an hour to an hour. And we just could not keep up. And so we had to outsource the production of that quite quickly because we just couldn't physically make enough to keep up with the demand. And that was a huge game changer for our business and our business in that financial year just skyrocketed. I think that's something that Made to Milk is known for as well, that your products are so tasty and the hot choc or ice choc, if you will, Dal, is such a tasty product. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, from off the back of that, we introduced three other flavors in the drink space. It's been a game changer. What about you as an individual, as a leader, as a CEO in your business? What's the biggest achievement that you have within yourself? I know you're so humble and everything is always about your customers and your products, but what is it in yourself that you're proud of when you think about your journey as a business owner so far? I am so often bogged down by the hustle of the day to day that it it takes one of my staff members to kind of like tap me on the shoulder and be like, Hey, look around you. Look what you've created. It's unreal. And we'll be standing in the warehouse and, you know, both me and my operations manager will both be tearing up like, whoa. And the fact that I think that we've been able to cultivate, and it's not entirely me that's done this, but the fact that we've been able to cultivate a an environment that is uplifting and supportive and that my staff want to come to work every day is just incredible. And yeah, I feel very, very lucky and blessed to want to walk in the door and they're like, I wouldn't say, well, yeah, they're my friends, basically. I know probably as a business owner, that's, you should say that, but I love going to work every day and and getting to hang out with these girls. Like they just have such a positive impact on not only the business, but on my life. So, and they're little, they're mothers to my children too. Um, Yeah, that's pretty amazing. My heart has flutters listening to you. I'm just bursting with pride. You are such an exceptional human being in every possible way. And I just have so much admiration for you as to these amazing brands that you've got under your wing, but just how you show up every day with so much integrity and so much responsibility, it's it's amazing. And I think you're such an inspiration for so many business owners, so many mums. And yeah, I just, I love listening to you. I could listen to you all day. On another note, there's a lot of people that may not know this, but you and I have both been brought up in highly religious families from birth. And I know that we, we touched on this the other day, but I'd love to know if you think that is there a synergy in having discipline in your faith and having discipline in your business? Because you are someone that has radical responsibility. You take responsibility in everything that you do. 
And I just wonder, is there a synergy there between having discipline in your faith and having discipline in your business? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And I think from such a young age, it was instilled in me these very strong moral principles, this moral compass, if you will. There's, you know, values and beliefs and principles that are drummed into you from, you know, your very early formative years. And so there's a massive emphasis on having strong moral ethics and integrity, and they are big building blocks. Things like being honest in all of your dealings, to treat other people with kindness and respect they're huge things in religion and organized religion that, yeah, were drummed into me from such an early age that it's just natural for me to have taken them on board in my business dealings as well. And I think to organized religion as well, or just religion in general, there's a very strong work ethic and religious teachings often put a big emphasis on the value of hard work and diligence and just having this real commitment to achieve goals. And, you know, along with that, there comes a constant pressure to perform, which, you know, can be a positive and a negative and to always be the best person that you can be and always to be striving to be the best person that you can be. And along with that too, I think religion there's a lot of compassion and empathy and prioritizing the well-being of others, which, you know, of it, you know, it's uh, the core of what Made to Milk is about is prioritizing those customers and the vulnerable states that they're in. It's funny, like just what's coming to mind now is this song that we used to sing in in church when I was, you know, from five years old. And it's called it's called I'll Walk With You. But it's basically talking about if there's differences in the way somebody talks or the way that they walk, the message is, I won't treat you any differently. I'll walk with you. I'll talk with you. That's how I'll show my love for you is literally the lyrics of the song. So yeah, right from my early years, it was no matter the differences in people, like we've always got each other's backs and that's probably instilled in me yeah, a huge goal in my business is to be very mindful of the well-being of other people. And that definitely comes through. I totally agree for the record, having having been brought up in a highly religious faith as well as a child and throughout my early teens, I definitely associate a lot of the same types of synergies, whether that's integrity, treating other people with kindness and respect, also the structure. Obviously, when you're in a religious environment, there are rules, there are there is a way of going about things, there are responsibilities that you have to show up at a certain time on a certain day and attend a meeting or church or whatever it may be. And so I think even if I think about my own journey, I definitely can feel the same thing where you've got this ability to work in a structure and applying structure in your business is one of the best skills that you can build because when you have structure in your business when you have systems in your business it allows you to be able to scale sustainably and not burn out or not run out of cash or whatever it may be so having the the discipline having the structure having systems and then of course being a good person in the process is definitely a lot of the key ingredients that you need to be successful in business too yeah and discipline is a huge one too i think back in my early teenage years, there was a thing called seminary in the church that I was involved in. And every morning before school, Monday to Friday, I would get up at 5.30 a.m. and there would be like a Sunday school, which was called seminary every single morning. And it, the class started from like 6 a.m. or something. And so I would get up really early and I know you're a massive fan of, you know, morning time and having your routine in the morning. That was my routine during my teenage years, when most teenagers were having sleep-ins, I was up doing Bible study classes from 6am every morning. So there's a lot of discipline, yeah, in my upbringing too, for sure. And habits. There's so many habits that you have as well. And again, when you think about achieving your goals, a lot of the time people can get caught up on just thinking about the goal. It's like, I need to work towards that goal. That's my goal. That's my goal. But they're not often thinking about the habits that you need to achieve the goal. 
you know, whether it's a weight goal that you have, whether you, you know, you're on a health kick and you've got a, a number in mind that you want to achieve or whatever it may be, it's about your eating habits and about your training habits, not about the number. So people can become very fixated on the goal, but forget the habits. And I think that's another synergy that I've definitely noticed as well through being involved in a faith as a child. I think the other thing as well that I know about you is your independence. You are super independent, very strong-willed, both of which those characteristics I love about you. But when you think back on your life, where do you think that has come from? Yeah, I think I, from an early age, was left to my own devices. I was, I can say that because I feel very comfortable with you and I can, you know, I feel safe to open up about this kind of part of my life in that from the age of 15 or 16, I was kicked out of the family home because I was starting to buck against those rules uh, and things that were set for me. And so I was kind of thrown out into the big wide world very early on and I had no real kind of parental guidance from the age of 15 or 16. I really was left to fend for myself. And so I developed this very strong independence very early on just to feel safe or to be, to create a safe environment for myself. And yeah, having grown up in, you know, obviously a highly religious household that where all the rules were set out for me and everything, you know, my life was very controlled to then suddenly be given free reign over everything. Definitely there were negative experience and, and, and trauma basically that came from that. But I really, from an early age, yeah, developed an independence and I almost had to have confidence in myself because nobody else did. It's almost this notion of if it's to be, it's up to me. Yeah. And this is such a big thing in business as well. No one's coming to rescue you, PSA. No one is coming to rescue you. And I think as business owners as well, I have seen this prop up a lot for business owners where they're looking for the next bright, shiny object or they're looking for the next saviour. And I think to realise that the saviour is you, to realise that if it's to be, it's up to me, it's up to you, and that you have the power to create the life of your dreams. You have the power to create the business of your dreams is such an incredible realisation. And it sounds like you made that decision that you were going to be that person for yourself from a young age, which yes, of course, I think there's disadvantages to that, that it would have been lovely for you to grow up in an environment and not have that situation unfold. But who knows? Had you not have had that situation unfold, would you be the person that you are today? Would you be the person that has this radical responsibility and is able to back yourself with confidence? Yeah, no, I don't think so. And I think too, along with that, I couldn't trust most of the people in my life. And so I had to rely on only myself and I couldn't trust other people to do things for me or to have my best interests at heart. And so I had to have my best interests at heart. And I can see it now, even as I go through business, there's things, I have real trouble trusting people and trusting them to do jobs as well as I know I can do it. And, you know, you know, we've had conversations about it. You're just like, you need to let go of that. Like that, you're above that now. That's what you need to give. That's a job you need to give to somebody else. But I hang on to things because I feel like I, I can't trust other people to do it as well as I can, but also there's an element of control too. I need to be in control of my space and my environment because a lot of the time it felt out of control to me when I was younger. And so it's a way that I, I have control over something. And I think so too, like just bringing religion back into it a little bit there. My life from a very young age was all laid out for me, you know, like what was instilled in me is I will follow God's plan for me and he has a plan for my life. And my businesses, and especially Made to Milk because it's been with me for so long, have given me an opportunity to really live my life on my own terms and that's why I feel so much control over it 
it's almost exhilarating for me because it's given me an opportunity to have control and to make my own plan for myself and my own plan for my family when when I was somebody historically who made every decision in my life based around somebody else's plan for me. And so with my businesses, I can be me and I am not this highly curated version of me that was living up to everybody else's expectations of what my life should be like. So since having left that religion, it's really almost broken the mold of what everybody expected my life to turn out like, you know, to be a mother to children. And that is my main focus and drive in life is to procreate. And that's, yeah, I've really, I think, tried to prove to myself that I'm more than just a vessel for procreating. Like There's so much more to life. And that's something I really want to instill in my girls too, is that they can be whatever they want to and they can do whatever they want to do. And hopefully I'm that example for them too. I love that. There's so much power in that though. And I think what I was getting from that is you're the creator. You became the creator of your reality. You you took control, yes, to create the pathway and the destiny, if you will, that you wanted to create for yourself. You created your life. You created your business through a series of decisions that you made and you're now here today. And I think that's wonderful. I think as well, having had very similar experiences to you growing up, religion and family life and all of the things, I I witness what you're talking about with control as well. And I think the biggest thing is for anyone that's had to be hyper-independent for whatever reason and had to take responsibility quite early on in life, it's really important to think about The old emotional home is the control, right? But the new emotional home that we're all working towards is freedom. Because in reality, yes, it's amazing to be able to control everything and have it, you know, the way that you want it. But in the context of business, that can ultimately end up holding us back at some point in our journey. And I think if for those of you that are listening to this, if being a control freak or, you know, a controlling person in your business is ringing true right now, ask yourself the question, whether you are actually going to be able to continue to grow if you continue to control always. And I'm not saying blindly trust because I don't think that's the answer either, but I think allowing yourself to delegate, delete or outsource anything that's not your highest and best purpose or an energizing task in your business or anything you don't have to be doing as a CEO, but placing it with people that are experts and also with boundaries. Because I think the biggest thing when it comes to control is we can we can actually set boundaries and we don't have to force people to live up to those boundaries. But if those boundaries are in place, then there are consequences if you don't meet them. And that's what allows you to sort of let go of some of the control and then continue to grow. Because I've seen this a lot in businesses as well. And, you know, this is more from a, a listener perspective, but I've seen it where There are CEOs who are very much control freaks and for whatever reason that might be, but ultimately what ends up happening is you reach a stage in your business where you don't actually grow anymore because you have to release some of the control and delegate in order to transcend and get to that next stage. So I definitely think there's something in that as well around being able to set healthy boundaries and enforce them so that you can trust more. Yeah, absolutely. And relinquishing some of that control over tasks that are very time consuming too has freed me up to then live a better work-life balance too. You know, when then my goal when I started Made to Milk was to have a business that I could do alongside raising my kids and being home and present with my kids. And I think I lost sight of that somewhere in the middle where it was just such a hustle and the business was scaling quite quickly that I was just kind of like being dragged along with it and was working very, very long hours. And obviously as a business owner, your brain never switches off. You know, I'm still, my brain's still going at 2am most mornings. And so really, yeah, relinquishing control over some of those mundane tasks in the business has allowed me to have the freedom to better my work-life balance and be more present for my children when I'm with them too, which has brought me back to that first goal that I had with Made to Milk when I started. 
Definitely. And I think there is the season in your business where you grow and then there's a season where you consolidate. And I see this a lot in businesses where it's there's a stage of growth and then there's a consolidation phase and then there's growth and there's consolidation. And I think it's just about when you're consolidating that growth, really taking the time to put the systems and processes in place, which I know is time consuming and sometimes really painful to think about. I'm so busy right now and to think about taking any amount of time off and stopping the clock to put a system or a process in place seems overwhelming. But that short-term pain is a long-term gain because then you can actually have the discipline and the structure and the systems for people in your business and those around you to be able to step in and hold space so that you're able to elevate and do something else in your business because you are the visionary. And no one can replace you in the business. So we need you as the visionary to be in a creative headspace. And in order to be in a creative headspace, you can't be at capacity because if you've got no white space, then it's not really the right type of environment for you to be creating because you need that space to be able to breathe and be able to think and be able to call in all the amazing new product ideas that you have. Yeah, absolutely. And that's not something that comes straight away, I think, too. When I think back into the early days of the business, you know, you are everything. And, you know, just as one example, I've always done all of my own bookkeeping. And I remember that was like, I couldn't believe your mind blown. I We had this discussion, uh, you know, I think a few months back, you were like, are you still doing all of your bookkeeping? She's like, why haven't you outsourced that yet? But, and, and I probably, you know, I have actually, you'll be very proud of me. I have been looking but that was pivotal for me right in the beginning to have always have eyes over the financials of the business to know if it was profitable it all keep always keeping it profitable enough so that I can still have a business at the end of the day and always knowing the numbers so that I'm always aware of what's happening and where things are going and what we're spending money on that maybe we don't need to or whatever it is that the business can still keep ticking over because if I wasn't as invested in that right in the early days especially, I might not have a business right now. And so I think it was important to me back then. But there is, you know, a time that comes that you can start delegating all of those tasks. And, you know, bookkeeping is one, but social media is another one for me. I was heavily invested in the social media of Made to Milk for the last, you know, six or seven years. And that has taken its toll and mental toll, especially over the last year or two as social media has started to change. And there's quite a bit of negativity that comes along with it too. And so it's been a big impact on my mental health over the last year or two. And so being able to delegate some of that too and work more on the strategy around social media rather than the actual execution of the social media. I actually love seeing, as much as I love you, I actually love seeing the girls on the social media as well, because I feel like you get to know the team a little bit more. You get to see some behind the scenes of what it might be like for you guys. So I've really enjoyed watching and learning more about your team as well. So I like seeing the different faces and on the bookkeeping note, thank goodness, first and foremost. But secondly, I think what you were saying is very smart. And this is another thing that I see quite often as well, particularly through ad hoc work or strategy sessions or meeting with a prospective client where the times where things go bad a lot of the time is because the business owner has outsourced blindly their accounting or their bookkeeping and never looked at the numbers. And I think that you managing the bookkeeping to have an eye over the financials in the beginning is, is really smart. But like you say, as time goes on and you're in a position where you can just look at a report once a month or keep an eye on your cash flow is, is obviously the ultimate situation and where you want to end up. But I, I think there's a lot of value in, in both of those things, both the socials and the bookkeeping. I honestly could talk to you all day. I'd really love for you to share with listeners what's next for Made to Milk and the Milk Boutique, your two babies. Is there anything exciting coming up that you're working on that you can share with us? Yeah, that's the thing. What can I share? So yeah, Made to Milk, I think, is very much going back to its roots over the next little while. And yeah, I think that's all I can say about that for now. Very mysterious. And the Milk Boutique, oh my gosh, I just, I, it, 
I don't even know where to start. I have so much coming, you know, my real spin on the Milk Boutique, taking what Tammy's left and putting my stamp on it now and where that will take us. You know, we have had discussions ourselves about, you know, my vision and and what I want the Milk Boutique to be. So it's now implementing that um, and, yeah, driving it with my my flair, I guess. I can't wait. The patterns are to die, honestly. I can't wait. It's very us. It's very you and me, isn't it? I'm like, every time a new sample comes, I'm like, Liv, look at this. Isn't it amazing? And I am the clap emoji. So excited. Can't wait. Thank you so much. Honestly, you are just one of the most incredible people that I know. You are such an amazing business owner. You're an incredible mum. You have so much wisdom to share with the world. And it's been an honour for me to be able to have you on the show today, to be able to share your story, all of your amazing achievements, all of the challenges and how you've overcome them. And I just feel so happy to be able to record this with you today. So thank you for being vulnerable and thank you for sharing your message. Well, thank you for giving me the safe place to feel like I can be vulnerable. I think that is, you know, yeah, you should be proud of that in that people can feel safe in this environment to chat about things that are very dear to them. So thank you for giving me that opportunity to. It's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you. I'm so excited for this to go live and I hope you guys have loved today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you love today's show, be sure to let me know by leaving a five-star review. You can also connect with me via Instagram at oliviajenkins.co or learn more on how we can work together at www.oliviajenkins.co. Have an amazing week and I can't wait to connect with you in the next episode.